getting back to the theme of this episode, right? Developing products. Like what's the most important thing that you can be doing? It's like prototyping and prototyping isn't just this one state that you exist in, in the beginning of developing a product. It's a forever process, right? Like people have R and D companies because you should forever be in R and D, right? Like always improving and always like doing the next thing. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. On today's podcast, we're continuing our season discussing companies that machine their own products. Our guest is Zach Dunham, Director of Marketing at Bantam Tools, a company which builds an 80-pound desktop CNC milling machine for under $4,000. This machine is designed for both novice and experienced machinists who want to quickly prototype and tweak new products. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graphpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. I am very honored to be with Zach Dunham, Director of Marketing at Bantam Tools. Welcome to the show, Zach. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is great. We're continuing our season about companies with products and talking to people with insight about getting a product. Uh, Somebody with an idea wants to make it something bigger. I think Zach has a lot to say about that, both because Bantam Tools has their own proprietary product, but also I see this company as a company that helps facilitate others who have ideas that want to see them come to life for for a product. (laughs) And so that that was really the direction I thought of when I when I first uh, contacted them. So. First, just to start out, give me a really quick summary of Bantam tools, and then I'll I'll start grilling you. Sure, sure. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited for the grilling. Uh, so Bantam Tools makes desktop CNC machines, um, and we focus on machines with precision and reliability, and we really try and deliver them at an affordable price. Uh, so desktop is, as it sounds, uh, you know, things that can actually fit on your desk and are, and are portable. Uh, we've got two products under our belt. Um, we can go into the history of the company a bit later, but the main uh, focus for Bantam Tools right now is the new machine that we just launched in July, which is the Bantam Tools desktop CNC milling machine. And uh, yeah, we're about uh, 15 people uh, in Peekskill, New York. And right now, our our main focus is, you know, tuning and and building and shipping this machine. Um, so what would the, people make? Short. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. What would, for instance, what kind of product would somebody make on this machine? Uh, so what, ob- what sort of object or item or, well, I mean, I can hold up a couple things. So one of my jobs is, um, also coming up with some of the content that we use to teach people how to run this machine. And we've been focusing a lot lately on like everyday carry stuff. Um, you know, bottle openers, uh, wallets. Uh, this is a low profile aluminum wallet. It's been machined. It's engraved on one side. Um, you know, you slide your cash and your cards and stuff in here, you know, simple sort of bottle opener. Here's something much more complex. This is a synthesizer. The faceplate has been engraved and there's a circuit board inside, which was made on this machine. And then the uh, enclosure is all walnut. A synthesizer? I think of like a keyboard when I think of a synthesizer. What is yeah, the modern is, definition? This one is without. Uh, this one has knobs and and buttons, so you you know create you. soundscapes. Um, but really, no. This machine is for you know when I talk about like who's the target market for this. One half of it is just you know, quote unquote, people who prototype. So your, you know, your pitch about, you know, launching products, it's really, um, well, it's material specific. So this machine is, um, really billed as being optimized for aluminum, but you can, of course, you know, machine engineering plastics and hardwoods. Plastic. Yeah. So like things like Delrin and stuff, but then you can also machine circuit boards with it. You know, where people have been, I think you've had them on your show, um, Zometry, right? There are a Mm -hmm. lot of these like online, um, CNC, uh, companies where you can, you know, CAD something up, send them your design. And then, you know, days or weeks later, depending on how much money you want to pay, they're going to machine your, your, your design. So anything that can fit in a seven by nine by three and a half inch build volume and be, um, be machined, you know, on a three axis machine is it's really sky's the limit. You know, it's, it's just, um, up to your imagination at that point and your skill sets. We can go into that too. Very interesting. Okay. Now I want the two minute bio of you. How did you get into to phantom <laughs> tools? Why should we, why should, why should we care what you have to say? What, what do you know? <laughs> no, I mean, you, you really, you have an interesting story about coming up with new ideas, et cetera. So sure. Just, just give me literally the, the two minute story. Sure, sure. So uh, I studied music in undergrad and music was sort of also uh, one part electronics and let's say recording arts. Um, Worked as a sound designer for a little while, dabbled in acoustics, and then along the way got into hardware, kind of self-taught electronics, uh, very much self-taught, like know enough to be dangerous, but um, I'm not an electrical engineer. And somewhere along the way there, ended up deciding not to go to grad school and instead doing a few like kind of coding boot camp types type things. Where, what did you at, major in in college? Where did you go? Uh, composition. Um, I went to Bard College, so liberal arts school. So I okay. studied, yeah, jazz composition actually. But uh, yeah, I was, uh, instead of grad school, I studied at the uh, School for Poetic Computation and I learned C++ and learned how to make interactive media and um, did, did things like, you know, big lighting installations and um, oh, yeah. like robotic pianos and things like that. But um, got super excited by like Arduino and, you know, all of these, um, you know, hardware platforms that were really taking off. And I launched a product of my own called the Public Radio, which is a single station FM radio. And um, it it sounds silly and it ended up taking off like it still exists. And we've shipped, I don't know, 8,000 of them around the world at this point. 
but I got really hooked in hardware and, um, I was living in Brooklyn at the time and started working for the crowdfunding platform Kickstarter. And basically my job there was to teach people how to launch hardware products and kind of like advocate for them and help, help them do kind of everything that I had done in my own projects, which is, you know, create a pitch and create a video and do photography and figure out how to talk about what's important about your product. Oh, wow. Okay. So somebody is kind of has a, they have an idea for something and then would they come to you as a consultant? Uh, well, so I worked for the crowdfunding platform Kickstarter, which, you know, has uh, man, this is, is going back two years now. So I'm, I'm forgetting all the numbers, but you know, hundreds of thousands of campaigns over the course of its existence. And, um, my job was really to focus on the design and technology products um, and those 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 projects that are getting launched in those categories. And I ended up kind of focusing on digital fabrication towards the end. So I worked with some campaigns that were doing like a desktop water jet cutter or a desktop knitting machine or a CNC that rather than being fully enclosed has sort of three pillars and pulls itself around on a table with some cabling. Um, and they were all like you know, it seems sort of surprising, but like, there's a huge appetite for this. These were all like million dollar plus campaigns. You know, they raised a bunch of money for these, these, these products. And, um, yeah. And then I decided to jump, to jump over to the other side and, and, and join rather than just sort of, you know, consulting for each of these, uh, projects on kind of like a monthly basis, um, uh, go full time with one of them. And that was right. But I'm tools. sure that gave you tremendous, uh, background and perspective for, for this product and, and what, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've been part of the community and, uh, yeah. And, and had seen, seen a lot of things succeed and a lot of things fail too. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that is fascinating as far as Bantam tools. Yeah. So what is the name of the machine? this flagship new it's called the bantam tools desktop cnc milling machine okay so give me an example of what somebody would be trying to create what they would use it for i i saw a guy they have these fantastic videos on the website i saw a guy who would who was making pens on uh i believe a citizen machine a swiss machine Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was using this to do the engraving, correct? Yes, he was. Okay. So that was one thing that got through to me as far as our audience. But in a way, it a little reminds me of we interviewed a guy who did injection molding. Mm-hmm. He said he knows of people who see one little object and then make it come to life with this injection mm-hmm. molding machine. So, yeah, give me an example of somebody that's going to buy this machine and and what what they'd be doing. Yeah, well, I'm going to answer that in sort of an indirect way um, to just like pull, pull back and, and talk about, you know, who are who we think this product is for and who our customer base is turning out to be. So, right, because it's only been out. It only actually launched in July. You had a few people using it ahead of time. Yep. And we're hoping to be shipping in the next couple of weeks. So we've got a few hundred people that are waiting that have pre-ordered this machine at this point um, mm-hmm. since July. And we've got people kind of on both ends of the spectrum. Um, we've got folks who are saying, 
this looks awesome. I've, I don't, I've only done 3d printing and I've never gotten into CNC before, but I really want to open up the capability to be able to machine things out of aluminum. And I can't do that, you know, with, with any of the tools that I have in my shop. And then the other end of the spectrum, we've got folks who let's just say work for companies that send things into outer space and they are their businesses through and through they, you know, they have, you know, machine shops. And so why are those people buying this machine? Um, so it's, it's sort of, uh, it's sort of both ends of the spectrum of professional user and hobbyist. So when we talk about things that people could make with this, you know, it's really application specific. It's if you are a product designer, let's say that you're Ian Schoen, the person that you were just talking about a moment ago, who's, he has a, uh, pen and watch business. He's got two citizen lathes that he makes these beautiful machined pens on. And then he also has a few smaller, um, much older three axis mills that he uses to machine the bodies for like watch cases. Mm-hmm. If you're someone like Ian, let's say, and you're doing product development, you, you need tools to be able to, you know, machine the machine, the next prototype to right? take that idea that's in CAD and actually, you know, start, uh, start dialing in speeds and feeds and, and making parts and seeing, seeing how things look and feel. Um, if you're a beginner, you're just looking to, you know, like, put a hole in a piece of material and go, go through the experience of like, what does it feel like to install a tool? What's it sound like to cut aluminum? What's it, what are, you know, what is the CAD CAM workflow, right? And um, what is a work coordinate system? How do I probe apart? How do I set up, you know, there's just so much that you need to know. It's also a big teaching tool. It's a huge teaching tool. Exactly. So with that regard, you know, we've spent just a ton of time figuring out, look, just because we are, you know, admittedly a relative newcomer in this space, you know, some of the other CNC companies have been around for what, you know, this probably more than anybody, 50, 60, a hundred years, you know, like some of these companies have been around for a long time. And so as a relative newcomer, we get to sort of, I think in some respects we have the, we have the benefit of going, do we have to do this the old way? Like, can we, what if we use software to make that easier? Like, what if we make this just a little bit more straightforward? Sure. You know, even something as simple as like for a newcomer, you've gone from CAD, you've gone to, to CAM, which is a huge thing for most people. You've got your G code file. You're going to load it up into the control software. You're going to walk over to the machine. You're going to take your billet and put it in the machine. Now what? You know, for a lot of people, even just the act of like putting the material into the machine and zeroing out their axes along, you know, along that, that, that work piece is really challenging. And actually a lot of people mess that up and they crash a tool because of it. And so we look at stuff like that and go, how do we use software? How do we use sort of like these automated probing routines to make that easier? But yeah, going back to your question, like the, what are people making, you know, the, the, the other folks that have more of a business with this, they're making fixtures, they're making, you know, flanges, they're making gears, they're making, you know, all the things that people would make on a CNC machine, except this one's just smaller it's contained it weighs 80 pounds as opposed to several thousand pounds four thousand dollars it's also under four thousand dollars yeah and for four thousand dollars it it comes with some stuff to get started it comes with some stuff to get started. I think most notably in this space, you know, once you're under $10,000, you're like sort of kidding out a machine, you know, some of them come where it's like, 
bring your own spindle or some of them come where it's like bring your own enclosure you know you're just getting sort of a bed and a and a, a spindle so this is a fully enclosed three axis cnc it comes with a t-slot bed it comes with some fi- uh you know toe clamp uh, fixturing setup it's got a twenty-eight thousand rpm spindle it comes with a at least one nice tool from uh helical which i'm sure a lot of your listeners know mm-hmm. um and it comes with control software that's got a bunch of really cool stuff like real-time visual feedback of what's going on in the machine it's got these automated probing routines a bunch of stuff that's like um more than you would expect let's say for a machine at this price right right no it sounds really cool you know (laughs) it it, no it sounds like it's a gateway into this world now if somebody does have some machining background already are they going to look at this is it going to be like you know i have some background in video so is it kind of like uh you know getting an iphone to use as your camera versus you know having like uh, you know a five thousand ten thousand dollar hd camera sure so I think, so the, the, the Bantam Tools desktop CNC is designed to make aluminum prototyping fast and easy. And I think that for beginners, that's going to be fast and easy because you've got these built-in probing routines. It's, it's 60 times faster in terms of material removal rate than, you know, some of the, you know, machines in the, you know, 1500 or $2,000 price point that are more like glorified engravers for the advanced users to your question. Um, it really depends, you know, this is not a Haas VMC, you know, this is, this is something that weighs 80 pounds and to your point is under $4,000. You could put it in your, in your garage or your apartment or. Yeah. Or, or you're like, oh, I actually need a fast enclosed three axis desktop mill to do plate work for me while I'm, you know, while I'm doing this other job over here, or I need to make a bunch of these Delrin fixtures quickly. And it's not cost effective for me to turn off my big machining centers and do something as small as this, or, Hey, I've got these four, like go back to the training question, right? So I've got, you know, four young guys who want to, you know, or women who want to join my team. They don't have machining experience. I need to just give them a primer on like, what is an end mill? What are speed? and feeds what is the cut sent you know not everything is going to be directly um sort of uh one-to-one equivalent to those big machining centers but this is a tool that like you can make real chips with you know and to be honest like we've been a bit surprised by it we've had a few of these early customers you know reach out ask a couple questions about the tool and say like you know i've i've been in metalworking for 50, you know, for 40 years. And we have a, like a very well outfitted job shop right now, but like, we don't have anything like this. And I can think of a number of ways in which I would put it to use immediately. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we've got, we've got interesting things coming online too of, you know, how do you, what does it look like when you have 10 of these running as a small army? An FYI to our thousands of listeners out there. We're always looking for new show sponsors, new ideas for episodes, and feedback. Obviously, positive feedback is nice, but if you have some constructive criticism, it's also really good. Feel free to send emails to the contact info on todaysmachiningworld.com. If they're interesting, maybe I'll read some on the air. Okay, so as far as the software... Yeah. 
So somebody comes up with a CAD drawing and then what, what is the software? Is it uh, windows based? Is it, um, is it like G code is what, what, what yeah. happens next? So you've got your CAD, uh, drawing. Um, we work, we end up working a lot with, um, fusion 360. Um, so there's a, there are post processors for fusion there are post processors for other CAD CAM packages too. So you do need to post process that, right. Which is usually just the click of a button, but in the cam, in the cam, uh, setup, one thing that I can say that we were spending, well, actually, before we get into that, let me just talk about the Bantam tool software and then we can kind of circle back to cam. So you've got your G code file. Our software accepts, uh, G code files, all the NC files, all the sort of, um, G code kind of, uh, extension equivalents that you would expect tap we also accept um a couple other things too so let's say you're oh, that's a, interesting so it, it it's kind of like a i don't know if hybrid is the right word but it's like open to different different languages different languages yeah and then different file types too so the really cool one is like so let's go back to this synthesizer, right? So this is, think of this as like a guitar pedal, right? And there's okay. this faceplate, and this is a, just a thin piece of, I think it's like eighth inch anodized aluminum. Um, and there's this cool design, right? There's, and in, we've got some wording on there too, right? So I could CAD this, but it would be a pain. And if you're a designer, you're going to use something like Illustrator. So what you mm. can do is you can take that Illustrator file you can export it as an SVG, which means scalable vector graphic, right? It's a, it's a vector yeah. file. And then you can just import that into our software. And at that point, this is just a 2D image, right? Um, and you would think, how do I go from this 2D image to controlling the machine? Well, there's a built-in tool library with speeds and feeds um, that we pre-populate um, for the tools that we sell in our store. And you say, hey, Bantam Tool Software, I want to engrave on these lines i want to cut out this line and then i want to do some inner cutouts for these holes and it just recognizes that right you can right. color so encode the file amazing so somebody that was just was good at adobe illustrator you know would never is now machine probably in. never fathom using a cnc machine to create something and now this is like the gateway for them yeah yeah shortcut um but would they exactly. have to know any other code along with that or it just you do it and then it interprets it and yeah i mean i think the thing that you do learn right is um T it totally sounds like an iphone or a or or like an apple computer <laughs> like a shortcut so that's the i'll say like all right so before the more industrial listeners are hemming and hawing right now and getting grumpy at this um that's the like that is our built-in two two and a half d auto cam engine if you will right you can feed it this 2d file and internally in the software it'll generate um, some tool paths really basic tool paths but it will do it um, and to your point it gives people this gateway for the more power users right you're going to use a full-fledged cam package you want to have your adaptive tool paths you want to control your lead-ins lead-outs all of those types of things and that's just going to be that's going to be a g-code file the cool thing about the software is that you load a file you select a tool diameter or several that you're going to use you know your tool one two three 
and it will generate a preview for you. So you tell the software, oh, I've got this, my starting block of billet is, you know, four inches by two inches by one inch or whatever. It loads the file. It takes into account your tool geometry and it spits back out a preview. This is what your part's going to look like after you run those tools with this G code file. So again, just giving more visual feedback to, to users. And if you're an experienced user, you may not need it, but Honestly, I think even the experienced folks, like you can say like, oh yeah, I messed up a job because I didn't think of this, this offset in this way. Right. And again, so just like having that um, visual yeah. feedback is really important. In our previous conversation, you talked about its utility as far as tweaking products because it's so, it's so fast to like get down and make changes and that you know you want to just tweak this here and there and and versus like you submit it to zometry you know to this third party and you're going to get a product back and it's like here you go this is what you gave us maybe this is what you gave us if we did a good job versus this yeah you know you see how it looks and then you change it and it seems to me like that's one of the biggest values Yes, completely. Like, all right. So this is a this is a simple part, but so it's a this is a, this aluminum wallet, right? We've got an engraving on one side. We've got these slots. There's a little bit of detail. There's a chamfer on both both sides. Um, there's like a some chamfering that's happening in this sort of a notch for the strap to go through, right? And this is something that I'm not like a accomplished CAD designer by any means, right? This is like a simple design. And um, uh, this was probably with all the setups, because this is like, you know, you're flipping this part, you know, two or three times was, I don't know, under an hour of machining. But if I were trying to, you know, put this on my online store for all of my cool, you know, everyday carry aluminum stuff that I wanted to sell. If I were sending these to, to Zometry, like the way that I would need to be efficient with my time would be just, to like, just, just a quick timeout. I mean, in case, yeah, yeah, sure. in case people haven't listened to the Zometry podcast, we do. Oh yeah. You should plug it. No, I don't really care if I plug it. You just tell me, tell people exactly what kind of thing it is. This is a third party CNC, you know, job shops. They're the, you're, they're your virtual job shop. It doesn't even have to be Zometry. It could just be going to the, going to the, Rather than going to the machine shop down the street and giving them your drawing, this is, I get to do it in my own, you know. Exactly. And and I think, well, there's, so there's a lot to be said about going to the machine shop down the street, right? If you're lucky to live down the street from uh, the machine shop, um, that's one thing. And then if you're lucky enough to be you know close enough with them to say, hey, I just want to make, can you just send me one, can you make one of these for me? They're going to yeah. be like, yeah, we'll make one of them for you, but it's going to be $500 because it's, we're going to need to spend an hour or two hours on the setup. Or you think about, think about like with us, like with these turn parts, people will be like, yeah, make a part on your Swiss machine for us. They'll like work for hours and hours and hours to make this part. Yeah, 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 exactly. So the setup time is still, you know, it's still your time. But the but the thing is, is that most people in a product development, getting back to the theme of this episode, right? Developing products, like what's the most important thing that you can be doing? It's like prototyping and prototyping isn't just this one state that you exist in, in the beginning of developing a product. It's it's a forever process, right? Like people have R and D companies because you should forever be in R and D, right? Like always improving and always like doing the next thing. And so that just becomes 
cost prohibitive, both in like an actual dollars, you know, and cents kind of standpoint, but also in time, if you're sending things out, like the way that I know that people have done this with like a Zometry offering is like every single day they send Zometry a file so that you get to the like, you know, whatever that, you know, two week window is while you're waiting for your part to come back. And then every day you're getting your, your next prototype kind of right. And I think that would be expensive too. It's expensive. Right. But like, how are you going to, how do you keep, otherwise you like make one, you wait for two weeks, then you make another one, then you wait. And this is, this isn't to say like, Hey, buy this machine. You know, if you're using Zometry, that's just kind of one use case. And to, for what it's worth, like we ourselves at Bantam buy stuff from Zometry, right? Like there's a, there's a, a place for that um, type right. of, of prototyping service to exist. Interesting. Noah, I just, just to say one last thing on this, that I think the bigger point here that is really important, even when you're sending a part out to job shops is if you are a product designer and you don't have a thorough understanding in design for manufacturing, um, and specifically designed for CNC machining, you're going to waste a lot of money. You're going to waste a lot of time learning the hard way of like, you know, even just the simple stuff, right? Like, oh, well you, you know, every internal cut, it's going to leave a radius, you know, like you have to consider the the radius of the tool if you want to make an internal cutout or that's a really neat part, but it's going to, it means the CNC operator has to remove the part from the vice four times in order to get in all these orientations or that's a really cool part. And it's going to be on our five axis machine, which means you're going to pay, you know, three times the cost or whatever. Those things you learn as a designer, if you have a tool like this, because uh, you literally you, have to be, you'll understand what the heck is going on, even though it's yeah. going to go on a later, it'll go on a different machine. Right, right, right. You pick up this literacy with machining that I think probably you can speak to probably the most, right? Like if you're doing big machine shop selling big tools, like it's probably really challenging when you speak with somebody who doesn't really know the tool. I think I imagine a lot of your job is like explaining why this is the right tool for the job. And you have a lot of designers in, in, in the world who just don't have machining experience and need to. Yeah. There's a value in picking it up firsthand is what I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Just a few more questions. Yeah. Some of these applications, would you use a 3D print? You could use a 3D printer for as well. Obviously, you wouldn't be able to understand the product the way this way totally. and tweak the product this way. Well, maybe you could. You can tweak things with one of those too. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest reason is um, there's some neat metal 3D printers out there, but the biggest reason is like... It's mostly plastic. If you're 3D printing it, it's mostly pr- plastic. And if it's... And most of the time, it's like... PLA or polylactic acid, right? Like kind of brittle, not so strong of plastic. Like the fancier 3D printers are doing ABS or other plastics that that are, you know, quote unquote engineering plastics. And then I think the other thing is like speed too, right? You could take a lot of desktop FDM 3D printers and we could probably machine something out of metal faster, out of aluminum faster than that. What is one interesting thing you learned last week? <laughs> hmm. I, sometimes I like, I mean, you, you ask somebody what the most, the most interesting thing they learned last week in it. <laughs> you seem like somebody who's learning constantly. So just what it can be totally random. It could be like, I learned about, you know, the habitat of a porcupine or something. It, you know, it could be anything. Um, 
I'll keep, well, I'll keep it on, I'll keep it on machining. Um, one, I'd, I'd say a new tool that we just picked up is a, a single flute ball end mill, which I'd never seen before and still haven't used yet. We're, we're going to use it later this week, but it looks like a, you know, it's like a little hook and it's just like tooling geometries are so just so weird. And still there's so much feels like a lot of black magic, um, in, you know, selecting an end mill. Um, obviously there's a, t- a tremendous amount of science and engineering that goes into it and physics, but I just, yeah, my eyes like still gloss over a little bit when you're like, you know, searching for the right end mill for a job and it's like, hi, they're all variable high helix. And this one's 35 degrees. This one's 45 degrees. And, um, yeah, so we've, um, we just picked up this new Daytron, uh, single flute ball end mill. That's, that's going to be, I think a lot of fun to use. So wait, that's for your own machining of the parts that go into this. That's not, okay. Not for, not for the, so we, we, I guess the other interesting thing about Bantam tools is we make these tools in house. Like we've got two big Mazak machining centers in the, on the first floor of our shop. How many of the parts are outsourced to China? Well, obviously the screws are and the, <laughs> the screws, the motor, but the, the spindle housing and like the entirety of the, the, the I would say most of the spindle body is all machined there. Wow. Anything that's a alu- any like aluminum part on the machine is made in our facility in Peak That's amazing York. because it's so inexpensive that you're able to do that. Uh, design for manufacturing. Yeah. We, we, we brought on this really smart guy who you used to work at, um, IBM, uh, for years and his job was all about, you know, cranking out the last bit of, of efficiency in their, um, machine shop. So um, good design, but yeah, it's a, I will say like, this is one of the things we're, we're about a month behind, um, no, excuse me, six to eight weeks behind on, um, fulfilling the first several hundred orders. And largely that's due to keeping a machine shop running during COVID is like, I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to this. It's just hard. Um, you know, we've got, we've got a production line, we've got people that are, you know, social distancing while also doing R and D and, you know, machining and assembling machines is, is a tricky thing. I don't know. That's a very interesting question you ask about the COVID. Um, is I talk to people every day and most people in our world, sure they get outbreaks, but most of them were pretty much off and running from the beginning. Um, wow. And, and these are, these are, Sure. Like you have your GM that closed, but then they got back up and running too. When, when, you know, once they mandated, they're going to make respirators and right. yeah, I mean, these are companies that have 50 employees, a hundred employees, you know, companies that are making medical stuff, but even then the automotive companies, cause everybody's survival depends on them. So yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there are, there are ways to do it. Um, and risks that, calculated risks people take. So I find that interesting that that would actually, I I mean, obviously if you said this to somebody in April, they might go, yeah, clearly it's going to be difficult. But um, now it seems like that shouldn't be necessarily a a hindrance. It's not so much, but I mean, we still have like, we still keep track of headcount in the office and the square footage and how close people are working next to each other in In the office. yeah. 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 In the office. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's that's specifically what I mean. I think it's pretty exciting. If somebody, if one of our listeners was interested in getting the machine, 
Mm-hmm. There's a wait list. Where do they go and what can they expect? You guys are, sure. you guys are like Tesla. You have like a waiting list and you have <laughs> pre-orders and. So bantamtools.com is the, is the website. Um, you can find a bunch of information on the site. You can read more about the desktop CNC machine. Great videos too. You can you can check out some of these great videos. We've got videos of what the machine sounds like, uh, some reviews from our you know early uh, collaborators like Noah mentioned, um, some projects. You could read more about us and um, I'd say that. And then we're pretty active on social media too. So you know Instagram or um, YouTube, Facebook, etc. And uh, yeah, you can you can get in line. There's currently a pretty long lead time for the product. We're hoping that that's going to go down. Um, as so what's the lead time? We start time? shipping. It's five months right now. Is the is the waiting list? So okay. we've got a bunch of people in line. But uh, we've also got people that are just signing up and and you know waiting to be notified once the lead time is down under ninety days. So that's something else you can do too. It seems like it could have a use for a lot of people. Yeah, I'd say I'm I'm curious to uh, to hear what your you know folks in the job shop space um, how they could put it to use um, mm-hmm. as that as that sort of a, a smaller Swiss Army knife. And then um, yeah, for the folks that are hearing this season in the in the product development space. Awesome! Thank you so much, Zach. Yeah, Noah. Thanks for having me. From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to tell your friends. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch videos of extended interviews. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is William Steffi. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com. 